0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everyone, to the 173rd episode of Power Your Parenting Moms of Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Today, we are going back into the archives. In the next three weeks, I'm going to share my top three most downloaded podcasts. And yes, I'm going to take some much needed time off. In this episode, we are going to talk about all things control. I think there can be a lot of confusion in regards to control and parenting. You hear phrases like, you better keep your teens under control because you don't want them to be out of control. And then you hear, don't be too controlling or over controlling. And then you hear, you need to exercise self-control. And then, of course, there are all the parental controls. For everything social media. So I think it's easy to get confused about where you should stand on the whole control issue. Well, I can tell you it's never black and white, like, I should never control my kids or I need to keep my kids under control at all times. So what's a mom to do? Let's look at the definition of control. The power to make decisions about how something is managed or done. The ability to direct the actions of someone or something. An action, method, or law that limits the amount of growth of something. So, to exercise control in parenting is about the ability to manage the actions of your teen through a method or law that sets limits. And you do need to manage your teen because if you don't, good chance your teens will be out of control. And we will also explore what being out of control really means. But you can cross a line that you can be over-controlling or too controlling. And when you go over this line, you can do damage to your teen. Often parents who are over-controlling aren't aware that they are too controlling. They think they're just doing their job. First, we're going to talk about healthy control As parents, we have a responsibility to protect and guide our teens. To do that, we have to manage our teens and monitor our teens. And like I have said, and probably every podcast, is that our teens are biologically immature with that undeveloped prefrontal cortex. And because of that, they are wired to act impulsively, not think things through, make decisions based on emotions. And teens' emotions tend to be emotionally labile, which is a fancy word for their emotions to be up and down and all over the map. Teens are wired to not think about long-term consequences. They don't think about cause and effect. They lack empathy and have a strong dopamine driver, which means that if that hot guy says let's meet at 2 a.m., there would be such a strong rush of dopamine that the girl could throw caution to the wind. In other words, teens are hardwired to make bad decisions and do risky things. If we didn't manage or monitor our teens, they would be out of control, left to their own devices. They would be on social media all the time. They'd get swallowed up by selfies and sexting. They would procrastinate and not do their work, be late to school, and be seduced by drugs, alcohol, and reckless sex. They wouldn't think about their future until way too late. Teens can spiral out of control when there is no accountability or limits. When your teen is out of control, they are at risk for mental health issues and addiction. Your teen is not thriving if they are out of control. So a certain level of control is needed for our teens to be healthy, progressing, and thriving. Our teens need accountability, prompts, and limits and consequences. And this is not the fun part of being a mom, but it's a very important part. We are their prefrontal cortex until theirs kicks in. And this control, monitoring, managing part of our job is fluid. It's not fixed or rigid. We were very controlling when we had babies, and this was appropriate. We chose what they would wear and what they would eat, and we decided what they would do and who they should hang out with, where they should go, and when they should sleep. That's appropriate for a baby, but not a teen. But we eased up on that control as our baby turned into a kindergartner. Now, there is a give and take. Your five-year-old has an opinion on what they want to eat and what they want to do and who they hang out with, and so they have more say. So we ease off on some things, but we step into our role of monitor in other areas. For example, if your five-year-old is playing soccer in your front yard, you go outside and watch him so that he doesn't run into the street chasing the soccer ball. You are protecting and managing your five-year-old where he can't manage himself. But once your five-year-old gets a little older and you're confident that they won't run into the street, you can let that go. So healthy control in regards to parenting is fluid. You are in sync with where your child has earned autonomy and where they still need support and accountability. And really what autonomy means here is that they can manage and control things for themselves. So we don't have to do it. And when our kids earn autonomy, they demonstrate they can manage this one aspect of their life, like not running into the street chasing a soccer ball, and by the time your kids are teens, they have earned quite a bit of autonomy, and each step they take towards their autonomy can feel like a risk to a parent because you have to let go of some of your control. And every time you let go of a little control, it can feel like a loss even though it's the right thing to do. I remember the first day I dropped my daughter off for kindergarten. I was releasing control of my daughter to teachers for the day. And I remember how bad that felt to not be in control of my daughter, that she was at school and who knows what was going on. But obviously, I got over that and gladly got used to it because there is always a benefit to letting go of your control. Like, I have more free time now that my daughter is in kindergarten. And when your child goes to middle school or high school, the stakes seem higher. Your teen is going to push your limits, and they try to convince you they can manage their life now. They puff up in their adult body, and they say so convincingly, I can manage my schoolwork, I can manage my social media, or my social life, and what I do on the weekends. They are super clear. But the huge question for parents is can they really manage those things? I mean, can they really? With a big, big question mark. And you think, what would happen if I let the academics go and let my teen manage that? Well, there's always a risk. In the teenage years, letting go of control can feel scary, and there's a lot of anxiety around that because the stakes feel higher. And you think, if I let go of his academics and he fails, he won't get into college. Okay, the truth is you've been letting go of control for a long time, one little piece at a time, when your child proved that they were ready to manage their newfound autonomy. And the same is true in the teen years. You take the calculated risks like, okay, you say that you don't need help with your schoolwork, I will back off this week, and we can evaluate that next Sunday. And then you see how she did. If she keeps her grades up, she's showing you she can manage it. If the grades drop, she's showing you she needs more help. You can let go of monitoring and managing when they step up, but you have to give them the chance and you have to take that risk. The same is true with driving. The first time you let them drive on their own to school, it feels risky. But when they are responsible, do what they say, and come home and are safe, you can let go of some of the control. Again, control is fluid, a back and forth between you and your teen. When your teen demonstrates they can handle their autonomy and they are responsible, you can let go of more control. And there are always other areas that they can't manage well, and you have to manage like social media, which is really true for all teens. The teenage brain really can't put the brakes on all the enticing and seductive nature of the world wide web. You are needed, so a healthy dose of monitoring and managing is imperative. Moderate amounts of behavioral regulation and monitoring are good for children. Enforcing boundaries and monitoring are associated with positive outcomes, such as less acting out and better academic performance. Can you be too controlling or over-controlling? And how is that bad for your teen? A new study found that children with overbearing parents were likely to not have academic achievements, supportive friendships, or romantic relationships as adults. The study lasted for 19 years and followed 184 children from ages 13 to 32. The study is more evidence of the long-term dangers of controlling parents. Teens with controlling parents struggled to build strong relationships and succeed in education. Children who have controlling parents are at a higher risk for certain mental health problems. Depression and anxiety can result when parents demand obedience and children don't have the freedom to express themselves. A study published in the Journal of Social and Clinical Psychology found that kids with intrusive parents lack effective coping skills. They struggle to deal with anxiety and stress into adulthood. Another study, which followed 184 teens, found that those with domineering parents had a future that was different from their peers. On average, they did not go as far in their education, and they were less likely to be in a romantic relationship by age 32. Research shows that kids with controlling parents can have difficulty developing autonomy, the ability to think for themselves and act independently. And young people with a healthy sense of autonomy tend to be liked better and have an easier time forming relationships. It's clear that being too controlling is not good for your teen. So where's the line of healthy managing and where is it over controlling? So the first thing I want to say here is that it's not always clear when your team can manage certain areas of their life. And so we can default into being over controlling. As parents, we have the best intentions, but sometimes our anxiety gets in the way, and so it's hard to let go of control. We're going to talk about four traps over-controlling parents fall into. One, the first trap is when you don't treat your child as a separate person. You dominate their emerging self. You do this by silencing their voice and not allowing them to express their feelings. If you're a strong personality and your son or daughter are more sensitive, if you are hard in them, they can go inward and just shut down, and that's not good. How do you silence the voice of your teen? It's when you communicate there's one right way, and that's your way. Moms who get pulled into perfectionism can fall into this trap. You're going to make sure that your teen looks right, has the right friends, the right activities, and study in the right way. If you shut down your teens so quickly, they can't express their feelings or ask for what they need, but they need this ability to be a healthy adult. If they can't develop this skill to ask for what they need, this is going to limit them in their life and in their relationships. You want to give them space to express their thoughts and ideas from sexual identity, spirituality, racial justice, politics, all those hard issues. This is a time in their development that they are seeking to find their voice and their thoughts and articulate their ideas. If your teen expresses their opinion in a healthy way, you can respect that and not agree with it. You are over-controlling if you try to control your teen's feelings. You want to let your teens express their feelings without getting shot down. If they get shut down, those feelings get pushed way down in your teen, and they can come out in unhealthy ways. You squelch your teen's feelings when you say things like, stop being so sensitive or so dramatic, or you just need to suck it up. You just need to push through it. You just need to get over it. Often if we are honest as moms, your teen's feelings get in the way of our agenda, and that irritates us, but telling your daughter to just move past the breakup so she can get her homework done just won't work. She feels you don't care about her, and this will escalate the drama and add more fuel to her drama fire, and she will not get her work done. But if you sit with her and hear the breakup story for the congillionth time and say, oh dear, I'm sorry that hurts so much and I wish I could take the hurt away, but I can't. I love you so much. If your child feels you understand and let her express her feelings, though it takes up more of your time, she will be able to move past her feelings and get her work done. Two, you're too controlling if you micromanage your teens. This micromanaging gets in the way of your teen developing more autonomy. Again, the goal here is to increase your teen's autonomy and have them start to manage their life. This is essential for your teen's development. Autonomy allows your teen to develop a separate identity away from you. This process of individuation is particularly important to get your teens prepared for adulthood. However, when parents go overboard and control every minute detail of their teen's behavior, they become controlling parents. At high levels of behavioral control, adolescents feel that they are incompetent and they don't matter. Parents who are very behaviorally controlling undermine their teen's confidence in their abilities. Teens will feel they can't get anything right, so why bother? Most likely, your teen is going to do things differently than you, like load the dishwasher. But if you're micromanaging how they load the dishwasher and you keep telling them that they're doing it wrong, they're not going to want to do it because they don't want to get it wrong. My mom definitely had the right way, and it was her way. There was the right way of cutting an apple or tomato, and if you steered off of that one degree, well, you would get corrected. So after years of being corrected over and over again, all my creative juices were stifled and cooking had a negative connotation for me for a long time. Till I discovered in my adulthood, I could cut the apple any freaking way I wanted. I remember seeing a girl who was a junior in high school. She made straight A's and was very involved in sports and school activities. But her mom wanted her to study in a very specific way, like where she would study and how she would study, again, this girl took accelerated classes and made straight A's. Her mom's constant criticism made this girl feel like she couldn't get anything right no matter how hard she tried. If we feel there is one way and it's our way, we tend to tell our teens what to do instead of empowering our teens to find their own way and problem solve. This can be anything from cooking, cleaning, school, relationships. Here's the problem. Teens feel good about themselves when they figure out their way, problem solve, and do something on their own. It builds their self-esteem. If we take that away from them, it lowers their self-esteem. So if we, quote, help our teens too much, they are less self-regulated, higher in acting out, and lower in academic achievement. We micromanage when we ask too many questions. Of course you need to monitor, but this goes way past this. We want our teens to be friends with who we want them to be friends with, to do activities that we want them to do. We micromanage our daughter's personal life because it becomes all about us and not about them anymore. Think of that stereotypic dance mom. If you are a mom that wants things to be perfect, there probably is a lot of conflict around the teen's room. So there may be some things you need to let go of, like how your teen makes their bed. Your teen may have just thrown that bedspread over the bed and not smoothed it out with pillows perfectly placed. But this could be a great place to start letting go. Their world won't fall apart if their bed is not made to your standard you're micromanaging your teen when your expectations are unrealistic and unattainable. Three, you know you're being over-controlling if you use psychological control to manipulate your teen. Psychological control is when parents manipulate children's feelings, thoughts, or ideas through the parent-child relationship using guilt love withdrawal, showing disappointment, disapproval, and shaming. In addition, they want to keep their teens emotionally dependent on them. Psychological control is often exerted through subtle, nonverbal cues. These parents appeal primarily to forces and regulations that reside within the child, such as when parents activate feelings of shame and guilt, like ignoring your teen or not talking to them, giving them the silent treatment, not looking them in the eye. When psychological control is used, the teen's compliance is driven by a desire to avoid feeling guilty or losing the parent's love. So when they are rejected by the parents, they feel resentment. This mixture of ambiguous and conflicting feelings towards parents creates a sense of inner tension. Teens of psychologically controlling parents are more prone to suffer from low self-esteem and mental health issues, such as anxiety, depression, and antisocial behavior. The big problem here is using the parent-teen relationship to manipulate your teen to get them to do what you want them to do. You control your teens through guilt. Healthy parenting is protecting your relationship with your teen at all times. Your teen may break a rule and you handle it through a consequence. The consequences do the talking. You can still stay connected to your teen even when they broke your rules. This time especially is when you want to stay connected and keep communication open so that you can have learning conversations. Again, all of this is in my book, Dial Down the Drama, that you can order on Amazon. The fourth sign you are over-controlling is when you lose control. If you are an over-controlling parent and your teen is not intimidated by psychological control, in other words, if the silent treatment doesn't work, then over-controlling parents can lose control big time. They shout, threaten, label, shame, yell louder and even throw things, slam doors, and slap or hit their teens. And I am talking about the moms. And when you fall into that trap, you are what I call in powerless parenting. When you, the parent, loses control, it's because you feel you are losing control over your teen. It feels like you losing control is justified to get your teen under control. But really... This is bullying behavior. You're trying to dominate your teen by using these big weapons of mocking, yelling, shaming, labeling, and threatening. We tell ourselves this is needed to get our teen to do what we want them to do. But your teen is not going to hear a word you say. They won't be motivated to be a better person. Here's what they're going to learn. They're going to learn how to lose control. You have taught them how to yell, bully, intimidate, and be aggressive to others. If you struggle with some of these things, they can change. They're just parenting patterns. Losing control doesn't work for you or your teen. Losing control damages your relationship with your teen and hurts them. And yet, there's so many ways we can justify losing control. Like, I wouldn't have lost control, but my son or daughter started it, and that's the only way I can get them under control. It's just not true. My book, Dial Down the Drama, gives you a healthy way to manage your teens while preserving your relationship. And now we're going to talk about self-control. And I think that's the best and most powerful kind of control. Self-control empowers you and empowers your teen. Self control starts with you. You take responsibility for your actions and your thoughts. You model self control. And the best way we influence our teens is to model to our teens what healthy adulthood looks like. Self control has three main parts monitoring, which is involving keeping track of your thoughts, feelings, and actions, standards. Are guidelines that steer us towards desirable responses. Strength refers to the energy we need to control our impulses. See, we start with ourselves first, but too often we try to monitor our teens first, set standards for our teens, and use all our energy for parenting. Instead, you want to start with yourself. You use self control to be aware of your thoughts, feelings, or actions. If you are feeling emotionally flooded, you take care of yourself. You take the time you need. You go for a run. You meditate. But you don't offload your anger onto your teen. You set standards on what kind of mom you want to be and how you want to show up with your teen, especially when your teen is having a bad day. And you make sure you are using extreme self-care and take time to figure out what that is for you. To make sure that you have the strength to nurture, protect, and guide your teen. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my award winning, best selling books. God Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, and my newest release book, Dial of the Dream, Making Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You, you can find both of these books wherever books are sold, and you can find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, and that has two L's and two E's.